Four more confirmed cases of local infection were announced by the Central Epidemic Command Center on Sunday. This is the highest number of local cases in a day since the cluster outbreak at Taoyuan General Hospital back in January. Three of the four are family members of case number 1129, a manager at Novotel. The fourth case is the eldest daughter of case number 1102, a China Airlines cargo pilot whose youngest son was also confirmed to be infected just yesterday. There are four confirmed local infections, and these four had all come in contact with previously confirmed cases. Three cases are family members of case number 1129, and the other is the older sister of case number 1133. It can be said that the risk is very high if there is close contact within the family, so starting Monday, family members of those with a high risk for contracting COVID can be vaccinated. The CECC also made public the whereabouts of the son and daughter of case number 1129 before they tested positive. They were in Taipei's Songshan District and New Taipei's Yonghe and Sanchong Districts. They took both the MRT and city buses and had visited convenience stores and restaurants. Members of the public who have been to these places are reminded to monitor their health. There have been 20 China Airlines pilots infected with COVID to date. On Sunday, both Taoyuan City and the Army dispatched personnel to disinfect the CAL Park, the airline's flagship building and headquarters in Taoyuan. Meanwhile, the Central Epidemic Command Center is conducting contact tracing on the latest cases from the cluster outbreak at Novotel, a quarantine hotel just down the street from the CAL Park. Members of the Chemical Corps were at the ready. At 8 o'clock sharp, they entered the CAL Park and carried out disinfection work. Due to the growing number of confirmed cases among China Airlines pilots and the 24 confirmed cases among Novotel employees and their families, the Taoyuan City Environmental Protection Bureau and the Army's chemical troops were dispatched to the CAL Park. The soldiers' main task was to disinfect all the indoor spaces, and the outdoor areas were taken care of by the Environmental Bureau, which used a vehicle to spray disinfectant. The grounds of the entire park had to be cleaned. We were divided into groups with two persons in each group. We would enter a room and start from the top and work our way down. For big outdoor areas and basements, the cleaning squad would handle it. We dispatch our vehicles to carry out the disinfection work. Besides the CAO Park, all the places that the latest patients had gone to were keeping their guard up. Businesses were disinfecting their surroundings, trying to prevent a community outbreak at all costs. The owner of this breakfast shop still did what he does every day. He seemed resigned to the fact that case number 1128, a Novotel employee, ate in his shop on April 28. Once the disinfection is completed in the shop, we can continue our business, but it has gone down by 70 to 80 percent. Case number 1128 is from Taoyuan, and he got around by bus. All the stops from which he boarded a bus were disinfected by the city government. <laughs> 
Meanwhile, it was reported that some 92 students and teachers from a technology university in New Taipei took a field trip to Novotel on April 27th. All have been placed under self-health management. The school had requested that all of them should stay away from campus, which had been disinfected, and undergo distance learning for two weeks. As the specter of COVID looms, the Central Epidemic Command Center is allowing no loopholes in its efforts to contain it. All those who have come into contact with the latest confirmed cases are now targeted for control. The 74th World Health Assembly will kick off on May 24th. Despite its success in containing COVID, Taiwan is still barred from participating. To support Taiwan in joining the annual WHO event, the Taiwanese Association of Canberra, Australia, held a walking event along a lake in the Australian capital. Among the guests were Taiwan's representative to Australia, Chang Yili, and Australian MP, David Smith. If Taiwan were to be excluded, it would not be good for the rest of the world. So I am taking this opportunity to call for Taiwan to be included in the WHO. Taiwan in particular has got great lessons that can be uh, used right across so much of uh, our international community. And it's important for organisations like the World Health Organisation to recognise the value of that. Support for Taiwan to attend the World Health Assembly has been mounting. In France, the U.S. ambassador to France, Brian Agler, invited his Taiwanese counterpart, Francois Wu, to a luncheon on April 30th, where Agler voiced support for Taiwan to join international organizations such as the WHO. He also emphasized that the U.S. and Taiwan would continue to come together to maintain peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific region. Well, there's still no end in sight for the ongoing drought. The Central Weather Bureau says the highly anticipated plum rains will likely be on the light side this year. Water levels at central and southern reservoirs continue to drop, with those in Xinju, central and southern Taiwan at single digits. Tainan's Baihe Reservoir has hit rock bottom at 0% capacity. Although two weather fronts are forecast to pass through the island in the coming week, one on Wednesday and the other over the weekend, they will only bring limited precipitation. People are still advised to conserve water. Residents of central and southern Taiwan flock to water filling stations to fill up their water bottles as they make do amid the ongoing water rationing scheme of two days of water cuts a week. The sun is blazing overhead in northern Taiwan, but the Central Weather Bureau says a weather front will pass through the island on Wednesday. The bad news is that it will only bring limited rainfall in terms of both scale and scope. Next Wednesday, a front is expected to pass through Taiwan. In addition to occasional brief showers in the eastern regions, there will also be scattered brief showers in the mountainous areas of the north, center and south. The precipitation will slow down again from Thursday to Friday. The water levels at reservoirs across Taiwan are looking more and more dismal. In the north, Ximen Reservoir is at 20.8%. In the Xinzhu area, Yonghoshan and Baoshan are down to 5.3% and 6.1% respectively. Dezi Reservoir in central Taiwan is at a mere 3.6%. 
In southern Taiwan, Zhengwen Reservoir is down to 8.9 percent and Baihe Reservoir has hit rock bottom. The CWB says the coming weather front will move at a rapid pace and won't lead to much accumulation. This front is a mobile front and the accumulation of rainfall will not last too long, so the amount of accumulation will not be that large. The Water Resources Agency has been attempting cloud seeding by setting off chemical containing flares to induce rainfall. With two waves of weather fronts forecast for the coming week, the rainmakers will seize the favorable conditions and carry out cloud seeding around reservoirs in the Taoyuan and Xinzhou areas. On April 30th, the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command held a change-of-command ceremony where Admiral Phil Davison handed over the reins to Admiral John Aquilino at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. This is the second time Taiwanese military officials were invited following Admiral Davison's inaugural ceremony back in 2018. Admiral Aquilino thanked officials from Japan, South Korea and Australia for attending the event. He also named Taiwan's naval commander, Admiral Liu Zhibing, in his remarks. General Wan, General Yamasaki, uh, my battle buddy Admiral Noonan, Admiral Liu, and all those representing their chiefs of defense and their great nations. The Indo-Pacific is the most consequential region for America's future. It hosts our greatest security challenge, and it remains the priority theater for the United States. We are committed to strengthening the relationships with our allies and partners across the globe. We are committed to providing the deterrence needed to prevent great power conflict. Aquilino emphasized that the Indo-Pacific region will be a priority war zone for the U.S. He said that since 1945, the U.S. and its allies were able to create an environment where all nations could thrive and prosper because it was founded on a rules-based international order in which all nations, large and small, have an equal voice for peaceful resolution of disputes in order to maintain peace and stability in the region. However, the new commander said today this environment is being challenged. Hualien's tourism took a hit after the fatal Taroko Express train crashed in early April. The city's Dongdamen night market saw at least a 50% reduction in foot traffic. But over this Labor Day long weekend, the crowds finally returned. Now all the eateries are stocking up again to satisfy visitors' cravings. Once the salted crust on the fish is gently removed, the succulent goodness underneath is revealed. This is the famous salt-baked fish prepared by a local celebrity. Crowds have returned to Hualien's Dongdamen Night Market to try out delicacies like this fish. Crowds of both young and old strolled leisurely in the night market. Just a month ago, the number of visitors to the Dongdamen night market had dropped by more than 50% following the fatal Taroko Express train crash on April 2nd. Business owners were stuck with their inventories as a result. A month after the incident, consumers have finally returned to the area, happily waiting in line for more than 30 minutes on average for famous local treats such as corn on the cob, sour prune drink and grilled seafood. 
After the Taroko Express train crash on April 2nd, many canceled their hotel bookings, so all of a sudden we had no visitors. The few visitors who came seemed unhappy, so that first week was really rough. The stock we had from back then only started to be sold recently. Things are slowly going back to normal, and the crowds have clearly returned. For our shop, we've prepared about twice as much stock as usual. Business has increased by more than 40 percent. Of course, the train crash affected us. Business isn't as good as past years, but it's not too bad. Although the number of visitors had not returned to the usual levels for this time of year, at least business owners can now breathe a sigh of relief. For more than 20 years now, two martial artists in Nanto have been helping disadvantaged children inch their way to success one karate chop at a time. The duo is made up of karatekas Huang Taiji and Liao Delan, whose commitment to the area started with the 1999 Gigi earthquake. The couple found that the devastation from the quake did not end with the removal of rubble, as many families were left broken or with poor economic prospects. Huang and Liao decided to take matters into their own hands and now provide free housing, meals and clothing to dozens of local children who also get a dose of intense karate training. Their efforts have resulted in a new generation of elite karate practitioners who have raked in more than 500 medals for their local school. In this week's Sunday special report, we go to Nanto to see how love and a few karate kicks can make a huge change. It's 2 p.m. at Xu Guang Senior High School in Nanto's Caotun Township. The karate team is getting started with training. Their warm-up is a 3,000-meter jog under the scorching sun, which gets sweat trickling down their backs. Then it's time for three more hours of karate training. About 70 students fill the room. There are middle schoolers, high schoolers, both boys and girls. The one thing they all share is that they come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Most of the kids we have are raised by grandparents. They come from single-parent households, are in foster care or are the children of foreign spouses. They might be more economically deprived. For those raised by their grandparents, sometimes their grandpa or grandma or even great-grandma, they can't keep a watch on what they get up to outside. Nowadays, children get along better with their peers, so it's very easy for them to lose their way out there. One of the young karate students is Xie Yuhan, who lives in Nanto's Shui Township. She goes back home to visit her great-grandmother every chance she gets. By road, her journey from Xu Guang Senior High to her home takes two and a half hours. A great deal of the journey is along winding mountain roads. I was brought up by my great-grandma because my parents got divorced when I was very young, about four years old. She raised me by herself, making a living by collecting recyclables and clipping beetle nuts. 
I have two older sisters and a younger sister, but we were too many to take care of, so the youngest one was sent to social services. Another student in the class is Hu Xin, who's in her first year of high school. Her story is similar to Xie's. My dad looked after me when I was younger, but he had to go away for work, so my grandma and my aunt ended up raising me and my brother. Who was bitten by the sports bug when she was a young child. Thanks to a recommendation from her elementary school principal, she was accepted into Xuguang Senior High, where she set off on her journey to karate mastery. Huang Sensei was a very important person in my life. Had it not been for him, I wouldn't be where I am now. I'd be a nobody. He taught me very well here. Huang Taiji is the one who's pushed Hu to become who she is today. He and his wife, Liao Delan, used to run a karate dojo in Taichung, where they earned a comfortable living. It all changed with the 1999 Gigi earthquake, which sent them rushing down to Nanto to search for one of their students. We were looking for her because we wanted her to go back to school if she was still alive. I had seen so many children displaced by the earthquake. They were left outside to their own devices because of the reconstruction work. So we rode over on a scooter and searched for her. We happened to be able to find her in a tent. After the disaster, the couple decided to relocate from Taichung to Nanto to make sure all their students were taken good care of. I told him I was really thankful that he came looking for me, but that I might not be going back to school. He then said, you're already in your last year of high school. Even if you do end up making some money down the line, you'll have a very hard time trying to go back to school later on. He said, try to make it through this year, and if you have any problems, we'll help you. I remember that before he left, he crammed 5,000 NT in my hand. To be alive is to have hope. Huang's words were a wake-up call as Zheng thought about giving up on school for good. Since that fateful year, Zheng has risen in the ranks of Taiwan's elite sports. Today, she's become a coach for Olympic athletes. The first time I took part in a competition, I brought the title home. I was very happy and I wanted to share this achievement with people from back home. But at the time, I still lived in a tent. People usually hang their medals on the wall. But when I got back to my tent, I was like, where am I supposed to hang this? There are no walls. Over time, search and rescuers and reporters left Nanto and aid packages stopped coming. But Huang and Liao stayed committed to the area. The problems caused by the earthquake didn't end with a destruction. It brought about economic and family problems for local children. After the earthquake, we just wanted to make a little contribution to our homeland. Back then, that was our thinking. We didn't think we'd stick around for so long.
The longer the couple stayed in the area, the less they felt like leaving. They threw themselves fully into raising a new generation of karate stars in Nanto, starting with just 10 students. Their classes grew to more than 70. And they don't just offer free karate lessons. The couple has also rented out five townhouses for students who need housing. They cover the full cost of accommodation, food and clothing. Just as the sun is beginning to set, the lights blink on at these three townhouses and a long line forms at the entrance. The young athletes need plenty of fuel. That's taken care of by a group of volunteers who make sure each student has a balanced diet. Every day, students get two kinds of meat, two kinds of veggies, a bowl of soup and fresh fruit. Huang and Liao are the ultimate nannies, helping kids with school, food and everyday life on top of martial arts training. They make sure no detail is overlooked. Every now and then, they visit their students' families to see how it's going. He's an amazing person, full of love. That's what I think. He takes care of every student and looks out for their families. Huang has devoted himself to his students for the past 21 years. To the students, he and his wife are a steady source of love and support. Over the years, his students have paid back their kindness with hard work, scoring medal after medal in competitions and collecting more than 500 awards. They are just like my mom and dad. They're always giving me reminders. I used to envy other kids who would get picked up by their families at the end of the school day or late at night or if they were sick. But I think having Huang Sensei and Liao Sensei makes up for that, for not having parents be there for me while growing up. Home feels like wherever they are. Inside the dojo, these words can be seen on the wall. Training is tiring and the process is tough, but our dreams are crystal clear. For the countryside children who train here, life can be full of challenges and inequities. But within the safe space of the dojo, they're looked after by a couple with unwavering love, who ensure that every day for them is one step closer to success.